Hey folks, we took a vacation week last week because Vince was going on an actual vacation, and so there is no new episode this week, but we're going to share the first episode of our current uh, Patreon project, which is a chronological reading of all of Grant Morrison's DC work. So here you're going to hear us talk about sort of our general opinions on Morrison, as well as discuss two prose pieces in there. So if this sounds like the kind of thing you'd like to get more of, go to patreon.com slash gc3cast, and we'll see you next week. Well, boys, it's fun to be doing a Patreon show without a timer. Uh, we are here for the first episode <laughs> of the uh, Morrison cast. Welcome. Ugh, so good to be here. Are we going to come up with a snappy name for this this project or anything? You know, we had the the 52 for 52. That was never a name, but that's one. okay. Um, that's what I called it. <laughs> I know you did. I know you did, buddy. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Any... Uh, any ideas? Uh, I think I think we should just uh, wait until something. We'll we'll name it once something comes up in a Morrison book that just knocks us off our our feet, and it it just uh, we're go. just so smitten by it. Yeah. How, how about grant us five dollars a month? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just thinking we should call it the Coyote Gospel. Oh. We'll get sued by DC again. <laughs> they never sued us. I, I think. I think we should call it Jizz Sigils. <laughs> uh, Brian, I know they never sued us, but I like in my head canon. Uh, in in my head canon, we stole Multiversity from them, and they unsuccessfully sued us. Okay. No, they, they... I like to believe we have that power. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um. So yeah, we want to start this just talking about sort of our relationship with Grant Morrison comics in general, maybe some overall just goals for the show, just just real loosey goosey shit, and we have some stuff to talk about at the end of the show. But for now, uh, so Zach, I want to start with you because I think that even though I think this might have been Vince's idea initially, I feel like you had the most full-throated embrace of this idea well, i think vince and i have both been wanting to do this basically since we started doing a podcast yeah, yeah that's right and uh, and honestly zach and i finally did the fusion dance and overpowered you to make it happen <laughs> we did we did but yes i i would not put this idea on 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 either one of us but a collective uh dutch ruddering session between zach and i coming up with this equally okay yeah but zach talk to us about sort of why you're excited about this and, and, and why you wanted to do this i mean morrison has been with me basically like since i got into comics and is probably the only writer that i have like consistently stayed high on over the past 15 odd years um i think when i first was getting into comics it was when final crisis was just ending. Um, and so some of the like earliest things I picked up in trade from Morrison included um, Batman RIP, uh, all-star Superman, but specifically like just the first volume. I think I read the first <laughs> volume and I didn't pick up the second one until maybe close to like a year later, but I love that first volume so much. Um, uh, a few, a few other things, but then I, I picked up Final Crisis like as soon as it came out in trade and read it immediately, or in hardcover. I mean, um, I, I kind of just like went all in on the you know the Morrison bibliography as much as I could, more so the the newer stuff than the older stuff though. Um, the another reason I wanted to do this podcast is Morrison kind of like pre pre him coming back to dc or them uh this is gonna be a fucking thing this whole project let's just uh, let's just put out there though we are trying our best yeah um when you use them, a pronoun for someone for 20 years yeah the change is yeah. hard prior prior to them coming back to dc I, I i think that earlier stuff is still pretty big gap for me and so i i have always wanted to revisit or to visit that stuff um but i um have pretty much read everything that they wrote at DC uh, from the time they came back in the mid two thousands. 
um, and I and I love it all. And I I want to I have always wanted to just consume everything that they've written at at DC and kind of form this get get a full picture of the Morrison DC universe, which is, in my opinion, the best vision of the DC universe. All right, Vince, your turn. Yeah, I I, I feel very much the same way that Zach does. Um, but specifically, um, I've been dying to do it chronologically because I think, so my very first Morrison was seven soldiers, um, back in the day as it came out. And after that, I went back and read some of the JLA stuff, but not everything. Um, I've read some of the doom patrol stuff, but not everything. Um, I think from the Batman run on, I have read everything, but uh, you know, there were periods where uh, I, you know, I, I wasn't completely out of comics, but I was uh, I was grabbing all that stuff and and maybe reading it in chunks and not reading it week by week. And I think a lot of a lot of Morrison's work, I read more quickly than it really deserved. That's another reason I, I, I like the idea of doing this project, because we're going to be doing it very deliberately, very like you know, maybe five, six issues somewhere around that per episode. Very manageable chunks. Very manageable chunks where you're not, where you're not breezing through it and maybe missing some of the, the glorious detail in some of these ideas and, and references and connections to, to their other work and, and things like that. And I've just always wanted to do it in a, in a more methodical approach like that. And this podcast is a, a terrific excuse for doing that. You know, it's, it's, it's self-serving in some ways because I've always been wanting to do it, but life gets in the way. And so you, sometimes you got to give yourself reasons to, to do that for yourself. Right. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to that. And, um, and I, and I agree with Zach that, that Morrison, the way they think about superheroes, I am not, you know, I'm not a tenth as smart as Morrison as far as like the way that I think about superheroes. However, when I see what they do on the page, generally, that is my ideal vision of superheroes. It's why I read them, where there's this like, they always they talk about how like you're not supposed to over explain things or get into the details too much the whole like who fills the tires of the batmobile with air thing but the truth is is that that morrison can get as deep and into the weeds as they want and then also they can pull back and they can say no this is this is the bigger picture this is what you should actually care about this is what superman is and it's this grand non-specific idea and they do both incredibly well and they pick their shots and they they just they see comics as this grander thing rather whereas like most writers are just writing they're just writing their story like someone is just coming in and writing a, a batman story and it doesn't have this grander uh musing on the medium itself or on the nature of the thing right it's just i'm telling a batman detective story right and while those stories can certainly be good they're not i'm looking for transcendence and and more often than not i feel like morrison gives that to us um they're not they're not uh you know totally without their scars as far as you know we will come across things that i don't love um, but I think for the most part that, that vision is kind of my ideal vision of, of why, why I enjoy superheroes, even just, you know, to tip my hand, returning to some of this stuff or reading some of this stuff for the first time is reminding me why I fell in love with comics in the first place. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm coming at this from a slightly different place. So, when I, I mean, I, I've been reading comics my entire life, and that's not an exaggeration to say that. Um, but I was not really aware of Morrison until probably New X Men, 
because that was when I was in college and my friend Ed and I had decided we were going to get back into comics and he was getting back into comics. He's an X-Men guy like through and through. So he was going to uh, to new new X-Men was like his his return to comics. And I I had picked up a bunch of Kyle Rayner stuff because I, I had loved Kyle Rayner when he first came out, but it had been a few years after. So I was sort of going deep into that. And so that was the first time that I was aware of Morrison's work. But like from when I was 18 to when I was probably 28 is the period of time where I was in and out of comics so much in that time. And I was really only reading stuff that either I would pass it like in the library or in the comic shop. And be like, oh, I, that looks good off the bat. Or somebody I trusted gave me a recommendation for it. And so I really after New X-Men, I had not really thought about Morrison's work at all until like the lead up to Final Crisis. And so I had missed a lot of the I missed All-Star Superman when it came out. I missed, you know, sort of the, these very, very big epic Morrison stories. Uh, but I have to say, when I did get into comics again, for, for sort of like the last time I really dove in, which was when I was about 27, 28, whatever it was. I feel like that was the time that there was a very clear backlash against Morrison because of Final Crisis. And I think that that has almost entirely been forgotten from folks, how divisive that book was. And not just how divisive it was, but also like it came out in a very delayed, fractured form. And so I think a lot of people were just un just just did not appreciate what Morrison was doing. And because I was just sort of getting my footing in like that modern comics era, I never really went all in on Morrison in the way that other folks did at that time, because I just, I mean, I, that was also like, that was the peak of the Jeff Johns green lantern. And I loved that. And I just, I dipped my toe in here and there. And it wasn't until Batman and Robin that I was like, oh, now I, I sort of get the Morrison hype. But even then, I felt like there were moments in that book that I thought were a little bit much from a storytelling perspective, which looking back now, I don't feel that way. But at the time, I felt like this is too cute by half in parts. So I am, although I, I appreciate Morrison's work quite a bit, I am not sort of the... uh slavishly devoted Morrison fan that I have friends that that are you know you, you mean that that we are <laughs> I wasn't even no I, I'm, I'm talking about uh some other folks but you guys are certainly I would say bigger Morrison fans than I am but I wouldn't say uh, that I'm I was gonna do you do you know bigger Morrison fans than us I, I, mean, I would be offended that I'd fucking Malakoff <laughs> named a comic site after a rumored Morrison title that is true that is so true. uh <laughs> Matt Matt did get me to help write a like um not it wasn't like it wasn't an annotation because I don't think it was it wasn't out yet but it was like a primer for multiversity when it was finally coming out and that's probably like the most fun I've ever had writing anything for the site ever <laughs> uh but yeah so you know so anyway so my point of being is that like I, I but also I have read his ent their entire animal man before I've read uh, a big chunk of JLA before. So there, there, there's a lot of stuff I've read, but I I have never, and we've discussed this before, I don't have the same, I have to read every work by X creator impulse that you guys, but especially Vince seems to have. <laughs> I have that about other media. I, I am obsessed with seeing like an entire director's oeuvre or listening to every recording artist, you know, like every That's recording wild. by certain. Yeah. But for comics, I've never, I have just never had it. I have it with characters and yeah. I have it with runs, but I've never felt like I need to do that for a, a for a creator for a comic. So, so this is again, it's not that I am against this at all, or even that I'm down on this because of who it is. I'm just kind of this isn't how I would think how I would naturally plan to read my comics. Uh, I I think I maybe I am not 
anywhere near the way Vince is. Although I, I think, I think sometimes I act like I am, but it's, I like to think about it more so than actually do it. But, but Morrison is one of three writers who I, I have really had that urge and even tried to act out on it. Um, can you guess the other two? Uh, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Yeah. No, no. What? No, we've talked about that before, though. I mean, it, yeah, it's a yeah, but it's not one that's like in my heart. I have to do it before I die. Oh, um, is it uh fucking uh, aren't you already doing that on One Piece Club? <laughs> well, that doesn't count. Yes, I am reading every, <laughs> basically everything that Oda has, has ever written, but it's the only one thing. No, they're they are uh cape comic writers primarily cape comic writers okay cape so not 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 and, a manga some, and some indie stuff and some indie stuff oh boy um i feel like but, it should be obvious so not like the things not, i talk about uh, not uh, urasawa no no it, it's it's either paul levitz or keith giffen <laughs> oh, i feel like i thought this was like a softball question well, I alan moore I, alan moore throws me off because we did talk about that um, yeah that, that that's not do you want me to just them. tell you who they are no Please. hang on hang on, oh, hang okay. on wait wait uh hickman yeah okay who, who who i have read everything that hickman has ever written for marvel nice um god who is the other one if it's not more because we just talked about this i mean it's not wade right no oh johns no no i don't know i'm i'm lost you can say it Al Ewing. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. I All forgot right. the Marvel simp is logged on. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're on the wrong show, pal. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, AKA a- the two writers who have come closest to Morrison being Morrison <laughs> for me. And it's funny because again, like, I don't, I don't really have the creator one, but there is a part of me that really wants to read everything from zero hour to infinite crisis. So you just like t- eras, time frames. Yeah, to vibe. me, that's to me that's just so much more interesting because you get the good with the bad, and you get um, these tangents that go off that will never come back. Like all that stuff to me is just that is that is far more interesting to me. Well, so I, that's interesting that you say that though because I think we are going to find that same thing within. Morrison's bibliography. Yes, I, but it's not going to all hang together the same way. Like us uh, reading all of Rebirth and all of the New Fifty Two. I mean, yes, we did not read every. You mean issue in of so everything. much as that it is actually going to hang together? <laughs> well, yeah, but, but what, what I mean is just like, like I really think that we very funny that uh, that we have an understanding of the last ten years of DC Comics that not a lot of other people do because we were reading so much of it in either real time or for the new 52 project. And so like there are, yes, there are issues that I did not read front to back, but nothing has happened in DC since flashpoint that I am not that the three of us are not like intimately aware of it happening. We might've forgotten a few things, but we have a really solid sense of the last, 10 years or so of comics and i'm not saying that the 10 years are the 10 years i would choose to do that with but i just think you see such interesting patterns when you look at things in that way yeah i i i agree with that um i i i definitely think that's interesting and i like doing that stuff too but i also think there's room for real auteur theory in comics it's that's just again you're you're not wrong i totally get it yeah it's just funny because i think that way in everything but comics it's just <laughs> that's not crazy yeah that's wild yeah well, that's good i mean yeah everyone's different yeah uh brian when zach quits this podcast once we're done with the morrison stuff i will uh-huh. i will do that zero hour to infinite crisis <laughs> podcast with uh you. yeah i would i would never touch that with a 10 foot <laughs> but you like but every time we've read stuff from that era you're like this is really good Every yeah, time but I, you, why, you you're but on why record as saying the late, all, I would not want to read all of it though. I we have only read things that are now. There's there's not enough time in the world. There's too many JRPGs to play. Yeah, too many. 
too much manga to read. No, I, I would never devote a significant portion of my life to reading, like, I don't know, Bloodlines. And, and see, that is, to, to me, there is just, there is nothing more interesting than doing that. Yes, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I could, I could never, you, you, I would have to be paid large sums of money and that to, to 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 engage in such an endeavor you heard it folks start start tossing that money our way i can do it <laughs> oh yeah anyway um we're gonna start by talking about two prose pieces now i have to i have to say something here which is i was advised by our legal counsel that i have to say this in a very particular way you guys ready is this true or this is 100 percent true I was oh. yelled at by our legal counsel. Oh, thank you, Walt. Yeah. Um, these prose pages are probably available online. I don't know how I found them, to be honest. That's all I can say. Can't remember. They're probably, they're probably found online. We cannot provide anything about them no. or even where to find them. So, um, I mean, I eBayed an old copy of the 1986 UK Batman annual. You actually you made three copies of it and sent them to us so that we all had actual copies of it. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Anyway, uh, which of these chronologically came first, Vincey? The I believe the Batman one. Okay. So we will start by talking about um, The Stalking, which is written by Grant Morrison, had a couple of illustrations by Gary Leach. And Bava boom, those illustrations. Yes. Um, they are very nice. Do you have written down somewhere where these were originally published besides just in UK DC stuff? I think that's it. I think it was the UK. This was in the UK Batman annual from 1986. That's what it was called. Okay. And uh, and the uh, Superman one we'll talk about later was the UK Superman annual 1986. So these very likely haven't probably not been published in any like american release i do not believe so almost positive yeah it's amazing to me that morrison has written so much superman and batman that in some trade they wouldn't just put these three page stories in there like yeah this is just as a piece of bonus material yeah, and may maybe that is somewhere but i i was thinking i was like as a like floppy i imagine they probably um never saw release over here because I, I think that was the case with a lot of that kind of british comics material of the era is my understanding mm -hmm. uh but well, I, I would i would i would say that one reason well and that's never stopped dc before but one reason these probably haven't been republished is because they're not really that remarkable no no but, they're not but they are history. Yeah, they, I mean, are, they are relics of relics lost to time. So, uh, for for what is you know uh, certainly going to be an opportunity for our readers to take a drink when they hear me say this, but also a the first of what will be many allusions to James Robinson in this uh, show. Ro when Robinson was put into was was when when DC was putting together the. Um, the Starman Omnibuy, Robinson wrote some prose essays for those books. And they are not nonfiction. They are they are like set in the world of the Starman universe. And I'm just shocked that there's been nothing. I'm a bit shocked that Morrison wouldn't have done something similar with not not necessarily with the old stuff, but just to put this in there. It just it, again it blows my mind. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um Vince, want to give us like a brief synopsis of the story in the stalking before we talk about it? Uh, sure. So um, Catwoman uh, sneaks her way into the bat cave and the alarms go off and, and Alfred notifies Bruce. Bruce goes down to investigate. They get in a tussle and uh, eventually Batman uh, overpowers Selina and uh, well, in a kind of a clever way, and then uh, she is basically arrested and taken to, or accost, uh, 
uh, coughed by Batman and taken to GCPD headquarters. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Some of the fi- some of the some of the details of it are kind of fun. Um if we want to get into that, but that's that is basically the story. Uh, Zach, yeah. what did you, you think of the story? Yeah, I I liked it. I thought it was fun and playful. I thought the, um, you know, most of what we're talking about with Morrison's work is going to be comic booking. There are going to be images accompany accompanying the text, and uh, that is a certain type of story. We are not going to get a lot of pros from morrison at least to my knowledge at least until we get to their batman run much much later (laughs) um but i i thought that morrison's writing here was was pretty good in terms of you know evoking imagery um you know i I could see the bat cave as they described it i i thought i thought it was well written from that that standpoint um you know as in as far as a batman story it's it's pretty uh well i want to i want to say it's safe but it's it's also we we don't get a lot of stories of of characters breaking into the bat cave um we don't and I, I i don't think so we get like uh, I, I say that and i can already <laughs> think of like I, the one i always only ever think of now is the you know i think the the, the, snyder. the the snyder one like so dominates the mind that it kind of like blots out all others because snyder made such a big deal out of it um but i i like i like the choice of catwoman for that because of how playful it is and i think a lot of that is also colored now by just like the cat batman catwoman stories of the last 30 years you know since this was written kind of shaped that a little bit but i think i think it's also there in the text the the kind of the fun and the playfulness and it it's uh it's just an uh, an enjoyable little story, I think, you know. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, so this is this was certainly before my time, but there was a, a re-release. I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but there was a, uh, a TV series that was on in the late '60s called The Adventures of Batman, and it was like it was a, you know, four or five years before Super Friends and. It was by a company called Filmation, and they did a series for Aquaman, for Superboy, for Superman, and for Batman. And in 1985, apparently, they released all of these like five-episode bundles on VHS. And so in the late 80s, early 90s, I would rent these from my local video store all the time. And it's some of the first superhero cartoons I saw outside of the Super Friends. So this very much reads like an episode of that adventures batman show um almost every, although I don't, I don't know if alfred was on that or not again it's, it's been over 30 years since i've seen these episodes but it it always felt like there was a villain that would either be breaking into the Batcave or stealing the batmobile or whatever it is and at the end of it batman and robin would put them into handcuffs and carry cart them off to jail and this just felt very much like that i'm sure it wasn't an intentional homage but I think that both of these stories, but especially the Superman one we'll talk about in a few minutes, feel like they were written in 1962, <laughs> not the mid 80s. Like, I would definitely say that more so aging. about the next one than this yeah. one. Yeah. I, I, I feel I do kind of see what you're saying. I think the imagery that went along with this one help keep it grounded because the the gary leach art is very much of the time i think yes yes Mm -hmm. but like the idea of catwoman like controlling the dinosaur in the (laughs) bat cave is a totally totally 1960s idea that's fair yeah Mm -hmm. yeah morrison makes sure to describe the dinosaur the giant penny the joker card all that all that imagery that we've come and that's one of the things that that over the years dc has kept that stuff in in pretty much every era even though it's a little silly you know mm-hmm. i'm actually kind of surprised at how often that stuff continues to show up considering that it is kind of wacky um but i think i think that stuff too makes it seem more of a 
more like it could take place in 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 any era especially compared to the superman one but but definitely the structure of the story is is what you're talking about brian i can definitely see that either of these things i can see as a episode of an animated series or something like that yeah uh one very cool thing about the animated series from the 60s is it was narrated by ted knight <laughs> of of caddyshack fame of caddyshack and maritime war show yes yes yep <laughs> yeah gambling is illegal at bushwood and <laughs> i never slice um i love that movie and uh casey Kasem was the voice of robin <laughs> Which Damn, is also Rob- true for Super Friends. So Robin and Shaggy. That's fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I would actually for for you know Zach talks about sometimes wanting to like rewatch all the Timverse stuff. Just for my nostalgia, I would love to rewatch some of these like these things that I watched as a kid. In re- you know they they were already twenty years old or twenty five years old at this point, but. Sure. I would love to revisit those sometime. I would love the animation is so much worse than your mind's eye thinks. It oh, is. I know. Oh, I you know. know. Yeah. <laughs> Even the Super Friends, which I have watched many times, that animation is not great. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so a couple things I wanted to mention before we move on from the from the Batman story. Um I think. You know, Zach said that this is well written as far as like how it describes the it does a good job of describing the bat cave, the setting and and the two of them kind of having their their game of cat and mouse. I think that's definitely true. But I did think it was surprisingly simplistic prose. And maybe that's a good thing. I think like maybe that helps create such stark imagery. Like, like Zach is talking about, but it was, it was surprising at how little I felt like this felt like Morrison, you know, uh-huh. um, it felt like from a stylistic standpoint that anyone could have written this. Um, whereas I, when we talk about the Superman and one to just to tip my hand a bit, I, I think there's a little bit more of Morrison's Superman ideology in there just a tad. Whereas I think that this, you know, it's well written, but it's it's definitely uh, hiding any of Morrison's future tendencies. I think is that fair to say? I, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was I love, <laughs> I do love the last uh, couple sentences of the story, where Bruce is taking Selena. Uh, to GCPD headquarters in the Batmobile and he he says something to her and then pauses and she she basically says look I I know what joke you're going to make uh I've heard it a million times I don't need to hear it and then he says it anyway that curiosity yep. killed the cat which is so I love the idea that Bruce has this like killer like Arnold Schwarzenegger line or something <laughs> that he's going to deliver regardless of whether she guesses what it is or knows what it is like he's just so pleased with himself i mean it's it's basically the um the, the scene from c lab that you put on uh the discord today like with the mustache yeah. on or off off oh, too bad please. too yeah. bad <laughs> you know, it's it's exactly that it's just it is uh, that that's yeah. very good that's very good it's also yeah. something you could hear adam west saying too you know it's, oh absolutely it's yeah d- yeah definitely it's not, it's not, it's, killed the cat. Yeah, it's not far off from Bon Voyage, pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew uh, you were gonna say that. That's one of the great moments in film history. <laughs> yep. That Batman '66 movie. I don't care what anybody says. It's fucking really good. It's cinema. That's for sure. That that movie, first of all, it's, it has some of the best opening credits of any of any film of all time. The opening credits for the Batman 66 movie are, are amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, anything else to say before we move on to the Superman story? Zach, you got anything? I don't, I don't think so. All right. 
Well, next is the UK Superman annual 1986 story. Osgood Peabody's Big Green Dream Machine with art from Barry Kitson and Jeff Anderson. Again, just a couple of uh, uh, kind of pinup art style things to go along with the the pros. The title so, of this sounds a lot like a Troy McClure movie. <laughs> yeah, you might remember me from such films as Osgood Peabody's Big Green Dream Machine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The what's the the contrabulous fab trap exactly? Yes, yeah. Horatio Huffnagel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although the 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 two best uh, Troy McClure movies come in the same episode. He says them back Gladys to back. The groovy Mule. Nope, that's a very good one too, but it's not the best of two. The best two are Smoke Yourself Thin and Get Confident Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Indeed. Um, you want you want me to give a quick summary? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. So the the leaders of some major crime syndicates are gathered around to hear from a, a wacky inventor about a machine that could potentially take down Superman by analyzing his his brain, basically, and finding weaknesses and phobias. And uh, uh, basically, this inventor Osgood Peabody needs to convince them all of this that it's going to work probably for his financial gain right um and eventually of course superman uh stops the invention and the inventor in his tracks before before they he can get his comeuppance so um pr- pretty pretty simple story um but again i i think this one has a little bit more of a morrisonian bent to it than the batman one does and 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 we can get into that but uh brian what did you think of this one so i i enjoyed this one more than the stalking if we're sort of ranking them in terms of just like pure enjoyment um but this is like this is an incredibly out of time story <laughs> what year was this published 85 86 86 this 100 percent feels like a silver age story yeah. there's almost nothing in this that makes you think that this is not a silver age story <laughs> there absolutely there in the silver age there were tons of of wacky one-off inventors coming up with uh robots and clones and bizarre machines to take down heroes and then you never saw them again yeah even absolutely. the twi- even the twist at the end of this mm-hmm. is an incredibly silver age twist yeah it's but great it, it does it make sense i think that that morrison would be writing those kinds of stories especially at this point because at this you know at this point the silver age is what like 10 to 20 years in the past about 20 yeah yeah um which is when they would have been growing up reading comics mm-hmm. um and so that would have been pretty influential and and we see you know we see that we have seen that um you know in when we were getting into comics the the like bronze age was the like everybody was aping the bronze age you know or mm-hmm. and, uh now everybody is kind of it, it, comics are just so cyclical and now i feel like comics have now reached the point where like everything is fair yeah. game for regurgitation but, but we are <laughs> um, very much in like a 90s i mean it wasn't that long ago that like the x-men uh, books were embracing some of the 90s stuff um very much dc was hearkening back to the 90s with the new 52 a bit even with some of this Wildstorm stuff we're getting into 90s maybe early 2000s yeah like things do yeah seem we're like they go on like a 20 year cycle yeah pretty pretty fairly yes absolutely absolutely zach what'd you think of this uh it was i it was extremely goofy and fun i i liked it it i liked how even though it did have that silver age feel to it it did kind of have this this hint of something sinister with 
with the dreams about the bones and how it's almost yeah you know reading it i you know there was a part of me that wondered like okay is this is this like uh is this a superman that is you know wrestling with the fear of like what could happen you know or the the fear of uh, losing control or the fear of like outliving everything because he dreams of these fields of bones is he is he thinking about the, the like the vast graveyards of the dead that he's going to leave behind which is like a very dark grim 80s idea that would fit but but then at the end you get the you get the reveal you get the twist that it is actually as as goofy and happy as it could possibly be it's it yes, is crypto yes. dreaming about all the bones that he would love to be playing with and and i do like thinking about that in terms of the time when it was coming out um is a very fun subversion and i think the way that morrison writes it even though it is a very the from the get-go it is not really trying to trick you into thinking it is something dark like it that from the title alone and the premise but i i do like that it is kind of dancing around maybe some of that kind of darker edge of the 80s and then and then doing a little dance on top of it yeah yeah definitely i i as i was reading it i kind of was a little creeped out by the you could you could imagine if this were um like a film or something. And I don't, I hate doing that with comics. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, <laughs> comics should be translatable to film or whatever. I, I don't want to do that. It, but imagine like a Lynchian, like dream sequence or something where a character is mesmerized or focused on, on bones, you know, <laughs> or like that's such a, a bizarre and kind of creepy fascination. And, uh, the reader is just as befuddled as the, the the criminal gang leaders in this because they're all thinking the same thing too. They're all talking to one another about what this could possibly mean and trying to find a, a weakness for Superman. And it gives this very like eerie sense of uh, something sinister and horrific throughout un- until the very end. And and I, it's, it's a wonderful trick that it pulls. And I think you can imagine... You can imagine that camera that they're watching flipping to these ominous landscapes of bones and then flipping back to Superman flying around. And it's just being a bizarre, uh, <laughs> you know, like a like like they're watching a surrealist film play out, you know? Yeah, they're watching um, Unchian Andalu or something. Yes. Yeah. They're Yes, exactly. They're watching somebody's eye get slashed with a razor. It's yeah, yeah. exactly. And then somebody uh, flies a rocket ship into the moon and <laughs> yeah, right. it's um no it's it's yeah really great imagery there of the anti-italian kind of racism in it yeah (laughs) yeah do you know what i'm referring to i do you're sure this is a superman It's 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 basically uh, Chris Pratt doing Mario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when this gets adapted, Chris Pratt is actually going to play that character. <laughs> when when James Gunn adapts this, oh man! <laughs> you imagine somebody adapting the entire Morrison oh. Metanera? Oh, <laughs> that's the, that's the <laughs> ten year plan for James Gunn. Um, no, I. So, uh, any other thoughts about this? I have a couple of interesting notes about this story, but if you guys have any other, I'm I'm only just surprised, and maybe maybe we will we will come across this as we do this project. That uh, this seems like something that Morrison would have definitely revisited in some capacity later on as like an Easter egg or a goof. Um, yeah, yeah. The the big green dream machine very much has like an all star Superman. You know, there was a lot of like wacky inventions and things going on in that book or big concept stuff like this. I'm surprised that maybe it wasn't sitting in the background somewhere. But I, but I think also maybe I, I wonder what Morrison would think of these prose stories uh, if they were to revisit them today. Maybe they just think that they're like uh, 
throwaway. Yeah, maybe type things, you know. Um, yeah, I, so, I did want I did want to say a couple of things here. Yeah, um, go for it. So I think that the uh, the crypto thing, like once once you realize what's happening, it's not terribly shocking that it's crypto having these dreams. But what Morrison does so well is just thread the needle where you're not. You're pretty sure that's what's happening, but you're not 100% sure that's what's happening. And that is one of the things that I think Morrison is the best at is just putting you putting the reader in a place where because all of us do this as we read or take in any media like you, you you're projecting what's going to happen next. And I feel like Morrison's best work. When it happens, you're like, oh, of course, that's how this is going to go. But it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go to quote uh, Luke Skywalker from The Last Jedi. <laughs> um, you know, and so I think that that's a really nice touch that Morrison adds. Yeah. Yeah. I especially like how if you go back and read it after you know what the twist is, you realize that because Morrison kind of describes a strange perspective of Superman while watching the dream machine. But then you real if you go back and read it, you realize it's crypto looking at Superman doing this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I, I will also say that um, oh shit, I was just, oh that the the idea of Superman being a narcissist and just dreaming about himself <laughs> is is like the most anti Superman idea you can imagine, and that's why it's such a brilliant thing for Morrison to write about here. Yes, well said. Um, I one of the things that makes this more Morrisonian than the Batman story to me is that idea that that you know, especially if they're hearkening back to the Silver Age, Superman was mostly solving problems with brawn. You know, I know that to some degree, Superman is a science-minded character and a science hero, but by and large is known for his physical strength, right? Um, That's the way he solves problems. And I like that in this, the, both the villains and Superman himself are thinking of Superman's psychology before his brawn, because the villains have decided uh, quite rightfully, because these are all, these are not, uh, these are not superpowered villains. These are like gang members. They're like, stooges you know um they can't beat superman's brawn right so how are we going to and that's the appeal that osgood peabody's making well we'll find some weakness in his psychology and then superman uses a very reverse psychological solution to the the problem to overcome this this dream machine and i think that that's 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 a morrison idea because so many morrison stories are about the the man behind Superman and, and kind of the psychology and the brains of it and not just the pure strength of it all, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. It maybe, maybe shows a little bit more of an insight into the work that Morrison will later do. Uh, also a couple notes on this. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, putting the the collar or putting the th- the the machine sensor on crypto results in uh, a great drill tweet from from okay. from Jill, drills cannon which is bone prank drop pieces of your skeleton in strategic locations to spook nincompoops and lamos <laughs> and then also one note i wanted to to make on this uh osgood peabody actually did appear in one issue of a DC comic. However, it was before the Superman annual. It was a issue of Batman written by Denny O'Neill art from Neil Adams. And we know that Morrison's Batman run would later be very much influenced by O'Neill and Adams uh, time working on Batman. But in that comic, uh, Osgood Peabody was an inventor who invented a machine that duplicated handwriting and would uh, commit crimes that way or, or aid people in committing crimes by duplicating handwriting perfectly. So interesting that Morrison would grab that name 
make it an inventor character and just use use them to a different end. Yeah. Zach, anything to add about this? Mm-mm. I'm good. Does that do it for the first episode? I I think so. Have we have we mentioned anything about the structure of this series at all? Oh, we did a little bit, but go ahead and do it. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, we're we're gonna be doing, you know, five or six issues. I think we'll we'll probably mention before uh the next episode comes out so people can follow along kind of which issues we're reading or at least give a rough estimate. And then also we're taking breaks at as yet undetermined intervals whenever Brian gets sick of talking about Morrison. That's not when we're going to take breaks, but yes. <laughs> when are we when are we taking breaks? <laughs> I figure like when there's a when there's a natural moment to take a break. Like for instance, um Animal Man's a pretty short run, but how long is Morrison on Doom Patrol for? Um I think it's going to it's six volumes of trades, so you know, it's, it's going to be like, like two months. Like, yeah. For us. So I would say maybe after Doom Patrol, we'll take our first break. Okay. Does that sound right. reasonable? Yeah. And the breaks are going to constitute us um, looking at different works that we've been meaning to read and cover for the show or things that we've wanted to read, um, such as like, what what have we talked about? Starman. Well, here, l- let me give you, uh, should we give the full list hey, hey, now? Back yourself out. I think. I, I yeah, no, I absolutely. The full list is too long. We don't want to. <laughs> Do we want to? Yeah, do we want to shoot our whole? We don't even off? know. We don't even actually know. All right, so the list a, is like a hundred titles. It now. really isn't. It really isn't that long. We keep don't adding it. to it, though. We keep adding. Yeah, to don't it. read it. I would just say it's only twenty-one books long right now, and then we will never cover all of those. Uh, says you. Um, there is uh, no way right. we don't have twenty-one breaks, and some of those series are like as long as. <laughs> It, it would take us so long. We will be doing this podcast for the rest of our lives. I mean, that's my goal. You know that already, though. I um, mean, the Morrison one because we're oh. going to take so many breaks. Uh, I'll just give a couple of a couple of of teases here, okay? Uh, throw, throw out a few obvious bones. Uh, the New Krypton Saga. From that would Jamie. be a a holdover from our Crisis Management series. Yes, that we never got to. Um. The Longbow Hunters, the classic Green Arrow story. Uh, Keith Giffen's pre-Flashpoint Doom Patrol. Uh, Joe Casey's Wildcats. Wednesday Comics. Mm, yeah. And uh, Superman Red Sun. Nice Just a couple, but we we have twenty one. I think Vince had had advocated for doing like a random number generator or something to figure out which one we're gonna read. Yeah, time. Um, but some of them are conditional. Like I know there is one that I picked that Zach picked a follow up to, so mm. we'll have we'll have to have some sort of you know, uh, oversight to this. But that's okay, right? Uh, but yeah. So for next week, we're gonna be reading Animal Man number one through five. And uh, please read along with us and we'll talk to you guys then. Bye.